Welcome to One More Thing, a podcast about the weird things we're dedicating our brain space to and the ones we don't have time for. I'm Brian Satorius. I'm Ed Cormany. And I'm E. Forney. And we're sitting here talking about getting our podcast juice ready to record. <laughs> Got mine right here. Ooh. Ooh, that was good foley. Is it wine? It is wine. Mm. It's always either wine or beer. Tonight it's wine. I have coffee because my kidneys <laughs> never take a break. <laughs> I, th- I think what you mean is your kidneys never sleep. <laughs> yes. Uh, my friends and I have a, this joke where my 33 female kidneys, 33 female, and 33 female are unionizing because I won't stop drinking coffee at every hour of the day. <laughs> Am I the asshole? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's somewhere downstream. <laughs> suckers are going to go on strike one day and I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> I just have water. I'm boring. Uh, but you're going to be the most hydrated of all of us. You're you're going to be the grand champion. Although it was like 86 degrees today. So uh, it's been raining in Pittsburgh for like a week. So <laughs> plenty of plenty of liquid. Maybe not a whole week, but like at least four days. It feels like I'm. Um, going to be going to portland in a few days and i was like ah portland in may perhaps it will be no it will be portland (laughs) it will be rainy (laughs) rainy in 50s familiar well i don't know how to segue out of that (laughs) get get, take another slurp of your podcast juice actually that's a great segue because my topic this week is combining or let's say the culmination of a couple of my previous topics and i just drank out of my water bottle which was also a previous topic of mine. So that's that's the segue. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, I talked about um, the hipster PDA, like the, the blank index card, or if you were mini, the blank business card. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I think in that episode, I talked about like, at some point, I stopped using an actual literal blank business card and made a tiny app for myself. And then uh, a couple weeks before that, I talked about taking a Swift UI course taught by Paul Hudson. And so the culmination is I rewrote my little personal single sheet of paper notes app in the Swift UI language. And it is, as we talk, live on Apple's iOS App Store. Whoa. And I have sold a copy to some random person in Brazil. So now I'm a professional app developer. Ooh. And you're what, 70 cents richer? Not even. That's the best part. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the app is called Paste Card, as in like copy paste onto the card, because initially I was using it to put text between my phone and my computer in like 2008 when it was a website, not a, a real app. Um, so if you search for Pastecard in the App Store, you'll see that it is not 99 cents, but truly as low as I could price it, because I just want it to be not free, because I don't want anyone to actually use it. It's just for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, the John Syracuse business model. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so the reason that that I really like decided to do this and, and go for it was a recent policy or, I don't know, just general change Apple made to the App Store where they said... Uh, Prices no longer have to end in 99 cents or occasionally 49 cents. We're going to give you every increment of nine cents. Oh, yeah. The, the, the headlines for that were very funny. It was something like, uh, Apple extends price tiers to 10,000 price tiers or, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> it was like, yeah, they've basically just given you a free text field with very 
few limitations. Yes. Uh, and so I decided I'm going to release it and I'm going to push the lower limitation, which is regrettably not nine cents, not 19 cents, but 29 cents. So I wonder if I have the only app in the app store that costs 29 cents. <gasps> Brian, you could have made it cost 69 cents. I know I could have for the lulls, but I decided this was even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> 29 is uh, an avant-garde sex number. <laughs> Because, yeah, they will be taking 30% of it, although I applied for the small business exception of please only take 15%. (laughs) (laughs) I think you qualify. My pennies. (laughs) Yeah, the only qualification is you make less than a million dollars off of your proceeds. And I was like, yeah, that would would take a long time. (laughs) You need three and a half million people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I guess at the end of the month, I don't actually know what, what their payment schedule is. We'll see how many cents I actually get back. I, I just looked it up on the Apple thing and I, I see the price and everything. Uh, the age rating is four plus. Yeah, also as low as you could go. <laughs> babies can use the Well, babies can't use this, but toddlers? I don't know when you stop becoming a toddler and start becoming a proper child, but... You must be literate to use this app. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you raise a good point because I think at least in California, but maybe in the United States, you cannot be an online service provider that allows end users to create accounts if they're under 13. And I do run a server that syncs your text around. So maybe I should make that 13 enough. Ah, uh, just risk the jail. Does it use iCloud or does it use your own server? Oh, it uses my own server because I'm difficult. Hmm. <laughs> And because you want to uh, spend all of the cents that you acquire. Yes. Well, I, I don't know if I talked about this uh, when I talked about the the web app previously, but um, I run it. My server is Google Cloud and like its version of AWS. And like, I really, I think I'm the only person who regularly uses this. I don't even like, I'm an idiot. Let's, let's just get that out of the way. I'm not very good at programming. I know just enough to cobble all of these things together. Um, and so I thought I had set it up when I set up the Google thing, I was following a tutorial of how to stay within the free usage limits. And, uh, I must've messed up. Like maybe it's where, which, like which location of their, uh, like data center I chose and that I usually access it from a Florida IP address. So maybe I should have chosen like some East Coast something because I think I'd chosen the Midwest to be like centrally located or something. So I'm paying the the long story short, I pay Google three cents a month. Because you're paying for long distance data centers? <laughs> yeah, like I, I tried to track it down. It's like it should all be free and it's all uh, ingress, egress traffic to the data center. Mm-hmm. Three cents worth. But I get one cent back. Because it's on my cashback credit card. So two cents. Oh, you did mention this because, yeah, for every transaction, you get at least one cent back. They don't Mm -hmm. just add it all up and divide at the end of the month. Yeah. And for a while, it was just one cent. And then I think they raised their prices. So now it's three cents. And they're going to put you out of business, Brian. This sounds like a wacky scheme to like slowly get rich by stealing pennies like in the office. Or is it? It's not the office. That's office space. Office space. Yes. The stapler. Yeah, and that's kind of been my ethos of this as a, quote, side project is like, it really is just an app for me, but I maintain a public facing website and now an app in the app store. And every once in a while, or every leap day, I decide to write a like, a company update, like earnings report. 
as if it were an enterprise. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's just a shit post. It's public facing shit post. And like privately, it still works very nicely the way I want it to. So what, you'll have to do that in another nine months. Yep. Yep. You better believe this is, I'm just going to transcribe this episode. (laughs) Got to update for your stakeholders. That's right. When are you doing your IPO? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should just angle to be acquired. Uh, Speaking of that, actually, like that's like 90% I put this in the app store as a shit post. 10% I put it and with a price to dissuade people from just trying some free app um, to, to be like a resume item. Like, look, I made an app that has my name on it that's in the app store and like does real things and has a server component, blah, 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 blah. So maybe I will turn it into being like, hired for a job and then i can say i got aqua hired <laughs> so i'm I'm looking at the page on the app store it took me a little bit of a while to get there because i started typing paste card into my browser and it was like you've been to brian's website before uh-huh. like no 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 no. search google and then it's like did you mean taste card no i did not mean taste card <laughs> no i don't want to write down recipes i want to write down other things Actually, I don't even know what taste card is for. But anyway, I made it to your app listing, and I'm looking at the two screenshots and going, what can I do with this? It is the Hipster PDA Mini. It is one text area, not multiple pages. It's capped at one kilobyte. So like, what, 1,024 characters? And it's just a cloud-synced single text field that I use and have used truly since... 2008, I think, as my like, when I'm going grocery shopping, what to buy, or if I'm walking somewhere in the days before, I don't know, I guess I had a smartphone. So I don't know why, but I used to put like walking directions of how to get somewhere. Or I guess if I was going out of service, um, like hiking trails or something, I don't know, just like little bits of things, little reminders. It is my GTD app in the dated sense of when that was a thing when you had to uh manually copy over all the tasks at the end of the day yes and that yeah that's kind of why i named it what i did because i was like copying and pasting them from place to place uh one of the reasons that like yeah so initially it was just a web page where that i could edit in place um instead of like updating a file in my like c panel (laughs) which is what i started as uh, but I made it an app over the pandemic, like a real iPhone app over the pandemic for this very specific use case of, uh, like the narrow window when we could go to grocery stores again, but still had to wear masks the entire time. Mm. And, uh, because I couldn't make it a, a real iPhone app with iOS, I think 14, you could add widgets. And so I made it for the purpose of like having a widget of the stuff I had written down on it, AKA my grocery list. And then I put it on the screen that was like to the left of your login screen or your lock screen. Right. So you wouldn't have to unlock your phone. Yep. So I could keep my mask on, but still see my grocery list. And then I kind of kept it on my phone for a couple of years and then took that class. And then Apple was like, you can make your app 29 cents. And I was like, okay, I will. So does it still have a widget? It's yeah, it still has a widget. It has uh it has share extensions. So like from any other app, I can just hit the share button and like bookmark a URL or drop text directly to it without having to do the copy paste dance. And the thing that I'm most proud of is 
a goofy reason. Like every cool app has at least two icons. You've got to have like your light mode or dark mode or alternate to match a color scheme. And usually in apps, you go to like a settings page to pick an icon. And I was like, that's not intuitive. (laughs) There's this long forgotten thing of like, if you long press on a real app on your home screen, you can have up to four little quick actions. And so my app has a quick action to change the app icon by long pressing on the app icon. Makes sense to me. Makes sense. I I don't think Android has this. I'm going to try it. Nope. Wait. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I can move the app around or like delete it or uninstall it or open the widgets page. Welcome to wiggle mode. (laughs) (laughs) Wiggle mode. I mean, that's the iOS thing. Oh, oh yeah. When you like try to move things, they all like do a little yeah, dance. They all da- dance. <laughs> they just get excited. Like everyone, I, I think a lot of people Or wait, is the official term jiggle mode? Maybe. I forget. Craig Federighi said one on stage at an Apple event, therefore making it canon a few years ago. Everyone just called it whatever they wanted to. And then and then he said it. <laughs> In a demo. I wonder if he like had it pre-thought out or he just kind of thought of it on the fly. <laughs> Given that it's Craig, eh, that's a coin flip. Mm. Right. Yeah. He's one of the few that might improvise, but everyone else is so like <laughs> sticking not to just the scripted words, but the cadence and what you do with your hands <laughs> to emphasize and punctuate your sentences. Well, especially now that they do them as video presentations instead of live stage presentations, you know that every single one of those is Take 35. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's really all I have to say. Uh, I, I totally acknowledge that it is a very simple app. It It is just like one kilobyte of text that I sync to a server and you can kind of move it around your phone more easily than if it were just a web page. Uh, the places where I'm proud of it are it is entirely Swift UI, this language that I took the class in. And there are still pieces of iPhone apps that aren't like out of the box, have Xcode templates for Swift UI. You have to do the, the older paradigm of UI kit. And I will admit that it's mostly just Googling and Stack Exchange to figure out how to like <laughs> jerry rig uh, Swift UI solutions for these things. But in the cases where I had to be like a tiny bit creative and, and think of these things that no one else had thought to try, I managed to make it work. So I I am a little proud of it. And I guess I'm going to make like 20 cents off of this one dude in Brazil. (laughs) You're going to make 20 cents off of me. Believe it. Ha ha. I can give you a promo code. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brian, you must accept my 20 cents. No. (laughs) Now I have to report this on my taxes. Throw two dimes at that guy. (laughs) Well, I have an Android. So I can't support you. I mean, you have to make at least $10 before you have to report it on your taxes. Maybe 100 I Actually, I was trying to figure this out because uh, you have to pay Apple $99 a year to be an official developer. Oh, so you have you have a Schedule C loss. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is not one... tax advice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm taking it. Uh, but yeah, so like one of the things about being an official developer is the privilege to put your app in the app store, even if it's free. So I think after you work out like the way that cashback works and, and they're 20 per, or 30% cut, I have to sell 481 copies of this just to break even on the fact that I sell it in the first place. Fantastic. <laughs> Which will not happen. Well, how many listeners do we have? 
No, I would say please don't buy this because then then my server costs go up and then it's oh, just spirals I'm saying, out of control. That's why we should buy it. <laughs> I'm sabotaging <laughs> oh, no. you, Brian. We're good. We're we're gonna uh, through pure economics drive up the cost of base card. <laughs> oh, I, one final one final thing about like it did go live. Uh, I think last Thursday as we record this, so it truly has been like the focus of of my brain space for these last two weeks. And I had my own little like Apple app review is full of stupid people story, which are you know you can anyone who's tried to put their own app on the app store has some gripe about the app review process and uh mine was since it is like quote account based where everyone has their own little account on my server i had to give one to apple for their testing purposes and i just kind of like made a blank account and i got rejected the first two times that i submitted it and I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, it's it works. And both times they're like, it's just a blank screen. All we see is a blank screen. Yeah, type into it, dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> and after the second one, I was like, oh, yeah, I gave you an account that has no text in it. And it's just a, a text screen. So you just tap it and type some text in it. And then they approved it immediately. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the human elements. Mm-hmm. I tried it out on desktop. It works everywhere. Surely I can type into it. He is four plus. I am four plus. <laughs> I always love. Uh, I don't even know why they have that in in the app store, um, because there are. I think there might be. I don't know three or four levels of age ranges for the app store in theory, but there are literally only two that I've ever seen. 4 plus means does not contain a web browser and 17 plus means contains a web browser <laughs> because anything that allows for arbitrary web browsing, you have to put 17 plus on. You have to be 17 to be exposed to the open internet. I mean, fair. <laughs> if only. <laughs> I feel like I'd be a better person. That might actually be an excellent segue Ooh, into the series of books that I've been reading. Which is all about a bunch of teenagers being exposed to horrible shit way before they should have to. But it's because they're magic teenagers and it's magic horrible shit that is out to get them. Okay. So it's not that bad. This is not like, you know, drop massive content warning at the top of the uh, of the segment or anything like that. These are uh, magical, fantastical romps. I've been reading the Scholomance series by Naomi Novik. Scholomance. Which, as its name implies, it has to do with a, a school and magic. And you're thinking, well, I've heard these stories before. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> we do not stand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trope. <laughs> there are multiple magical schools. <laughs> Right. And so uh, let me, as as always, sometimes I, I have a, a Goodreads review that I've left that I enjoy. Um, so the first book in the series is called A Deadly Education. And my Goodreads review, five stars. Design brief. A wizard school as little like Hogwarts as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Result, something like a mashup of Carry On and Gideon the Ninth, which is... Um, a compliment. The The series follows uh, the students of the Scholomance, which is a magical school that is suspended in a void 
It is full of evil monsters called Maleficaria, which are trying to constantly kill the students. There are no teachers or professors, just the magical school. (laughs) Oh, sick. So it's like Montessori. (laughs) (laughs) Magisori. (laughs) Magisori. And the theory is that... um, the, the way that the magic works in this universe is there is mana and malia. Mana is like, you know, ordinary magic power. You get it by filling up a meter like in a video game by doing effectively work. <laughs> so like the characters, do th- uh, the, the main character does things like uh, push-ups and crocheting to, to build power. <laughs> Amazing. At least it's not like a fetch quest. <laughs> no. Um or you can use Malia, which means basically you kill something else and you take its power. <laughs> but that's evil. Mm. Even if you're killing the evil forces that are trying to kill you, like a self-defense. Ooh, two evils make a good? Yeah, most for most people, that doesn't work. Mm. Oh, implications. Yeah. <laughs> Except there is one character in the series for whom it does work. So there are um, there's the protagonist, first-person protagonist, um, her name is L, but it's short for Galadriel. <laughs> okay. It is revealed, um, at some point that this is because, um, when she was born, her, her mother was a traumatized 18 year old wizard. <laughs> Classic. And, and everyone regrets this. This is just why she goes by L. Um, one of the other main characters is, uh, named Orion Lake. He's your, uh, Gryffindor Harry Potter type okay uh and his thing is that he's super good and loves hunting down the the evil creatures and saving people and the first scene in the first book is that uh he shows up and uh kills a creature that was attacking uh l and she's really mad at him for it and she vows uh to kill him in revenge because she wanted that sweet sweet malia no, because she's just sick of his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this guy, actually. <laughs> because she's one of the extreme losers at the school, and he's the super archetypal hero. But it turns out that he's messing everything up, because this entire school is predicated on the fact that uh, when when wizards hit puberty, they, they get all their... all super magic... <laughs> And that's when the the evil creatures are most out to kill them. So they all get teleported to this school in the void where uh, their odds of dying uh, only are 60% in four years. Only. (laughs) Yeah. So there's like a thousand people in every class year and look to your left, look to your right. Um, (laughs) More than one of these people will be dead. (laughs) (laughs) More than one. Someone will die, someone will, like, lose a limb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And the notion is that if you stay outside the school, your chances of survival are only 20%. Oh. And so all the wizard parents send their kids to this terrible, terrible school. Hmm. Uh, This feels like the one great plot hole in this series, because uh, for all of us who've lived through COVID, we know that people are shit at probability and would never do this. That's true. So it's like, if you survive... You matriculate, let's say, the school, uh, and you you finish puberty, magic puberty. You go back into the real world and, like, their parents, and then the monsters are not as interested in you, and you just kind of live your life? 
Well, you've had four years of extensive training in killing the monsters, and you are less uh like less appealing as food to them. <laughs> Your training makes you taste bad. As you train, you slowly forget what deodorant is. <laughs> well, like there is no deodorant. Like everyone stinks and uh <laughs> the food is bad and like poison and full of evil creatures. <laughs> It's a really bad place. Sounds like a great school. <laughs> so yeah, it starts with uh Elle vowing to kill Orion and then them finding that um his powers are are useful but also upsetting the balance of the school and that she has uh some skills that may re reset the balance of the school and them going on adventures of this sort to uh to try to uh not die. <laughs> 40% chance or 60% chance. Yeah, and uh the thing is they're preparing for graduation, which the the graduation uh is like if you ran the Oklahoma drill with bloodthirsty monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they they built the school with a graduation hall that was supposed to be like where you would have a commencement for a normal school, but then uh and and the monsters were supposed to get like taken out of there by magical machinery every year, so it would be nice and, and a happy event. But the monsters have just taken over the place, and so you just have to do a 500-yard dash of death. <laughs> <laughs> if you make it to the other side, you live. <laughs> you gotta admire the school for being like, no, we, we've built this for this purpose, and we're gonna use it, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on this. Well, not money, mana. But yeah. <laughs> The snake fight portion of your thesis defense. <laughs> yes, precisely, except that, that um, they would gladly take snakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might even be a small snake, depending on how well you write the thesis. <laughs> yeah, um, it it might only be uh, hundreds of slavery monsters, depending on if you if you studied well. It sounds like almost like what the TV show the boys is to superhero IP. Uh, This is to Harry Potter IP. Could be. I haven't, I haven't watched the boys, but I know that it's kind of grimdark superheroes. Yeah. And like very hyper violent and irreverent and foul language and everything like adult, adult themed, but you know, with the same roots. Yeah. I I think that's probably a, a, a pretty good analogy. HBO should be making this into a series instead of remaking Harry Potter. Ugh. Wait, they're doing that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was cool. the... And cool, Twilight? Cool. I think so. All like the, yeah. I saw that the Harry Potter reboot is already like a 10-season order of a TV show <laughs> that's going to be the tentpole of the Just Max streaming service. No. Yeah. Come off it. <laughs> well, we've got a writer's strike right now. Maybe it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Just just keep striking, guys. Yeah. I have to say that I'm really happy that this is a book series because um, any of these kind of stories that have, like, big, toothy, squishy, scary monster kind of stuff, like, I, I like the kind of drama and stories that that creates, but I don't like looking at them. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, they get in my brain if I look at them, and I don't like it. <laughs> There's spookies out there. Right, and but if they're just described, especially if they're just described like very 
uh, cursorily, just, you know, brief description of, oh, it's a blob monster. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, fine. Okay. It's, it's, it's the kids versus the blob monster. <laughs> no big deal. Um, so yeah, this is a trilogy. I am, uh, two and a half books through it. Definitely, definitely going to finish it out. Um, the books have kind of different, uh, different pacing to them. The, uh, the first book starts 10 year or not 10 years, 10 days before the end of L's junior year at the school. And then, uh, extremely light spoilers because the series continues with a first person protagonist. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the second book is the entirety of senior year. And then the uh, third book is post. So she graduates. Ah, adulthood. <laughs> the second book is called The Last Graduate. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Drama. Not the snakes. <laughs> and and fortunately, fortunately, that book um, does not suffer from the kind of uh, middle of a fantasy trilogy where they go, you know, wander in a field in Rohan for 200 pages. Like, there's none of that in this series. Um, but the first half of that book does kind of... Uh, take all of the characters figuring out what the title of the book means. <laughs> Grim. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so it's one of those. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like, oh, you figured it out. It's the thing that's on the cover of this book. <laughs> there was a hint all along. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was not given to you, the characters. <laughs> the publisher saved it and kept it from you. <laughs> Through magic. <laughs> The title's also in a void, a separate void. So I haven't finished the series. Um, I'm looking forward to the end of the series. I think that, um, you know, I mentioned that we've all lived through COVID and people don't really, people don't really operate well on uh, the whole probabilistic chance of survival thing. Mm. And there's a sense that I'm getting uh, as I'm nearing the end of uh, of the series that that's like the stated reason that everyone goes to this school, but it seems like it's still really bad and they could do a lot better if they were trying to make it not so bad because the school's been open for 200 years and it's really bad and it's bad every year and it's been terrible for 190 of the 200 years. And so I, ha I have a feeling that the, uh, the grand arc is like, yeah... Why is this so bad? Who's in charge here? How, how how do we make the bad people not in charge? But we don't even know who they are, necessarily. <laughs> the real villain's been inside the school the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, the call's coming from inside the school. Yeah. <laughs> They're pulling the strings. So yeah, I highly recommend this series. Um, whole bunch of people that I follow on the internet got into it and binged it, and I'm basically doing the same. Is it like a, a young adult type? reading level or designated audience or is it above that i mean i think that i would call this a just i i would shelve this under just straight up fantasy okay cool like mm -hmm. it's you know obviously anyone who is the age of the characters or a little bit younger like any anyone's who anyone who's had exposure to high school can handle this uh-huh <laughs> um but like it's dark and there's a lot of death and violence um and like uh mental anguish that it causes 
uh various characters like it's it's uh it's pretty serious uh it's not a ya romp okay you've piqued my interest for sure yeah i mean i'm sure there's some there's someone who would like shelve it under ya it's like well the 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 protagonist is a is a 16 and a half year old uh female wizard ya (laughs) yeah but yeah, it it doesn't read like that, and and the characters, um, the characters are more adult than their ages would indicate. But I think it's backed up by the fact that the world that they've been in for three full years before you're introduced to them is just so harsh that uh, anyone who's still alive grew up fast. <laughs> Got to learn how to defeat those monsters metaphorically and literally. Kill the mouse. Now it is my turn, <laughs> I say, <laughs> thinking of a segue. Well, my so my thing is a, uh, a YouTube series that I watched right before we started podcasting, um, which I have seen before. I went back to it because uh, it's a good little romp. Uh, I would not call it a YA romp. <laughs> uh, it is called uh, The Gay and Wondrous Life of G- Caleb Gallo. Uh, and it is a five-part YouTube series that came out in 2016. Um, and it is about um, Caleb Gallo, who is played by Brian Jordan Alvarez, who, if you know this person, you probably know him from Will and Grace. He was Estefan, which I don't know Will and Grace, so... Uh, but I think that has been his most major role. He was also in Jane the Virgin, which is like kind of a major show, but not that major... But yeah, he's like some actor who does comedy work and has some s- strange sense of comedy. Um, and in this show, his life is gay and wondrous, and the pacing is just sort of a fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> he is in LA, everyone's an actor, and everyone is exploring their sexuality, and it's unclear who's dating who, and it's unclear what's real and what's a joke. And then monsters come to kill and them. Then, and then they have to fight their snakes. No. <laughs> Actually, oh, so, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, <laughs> they don't fight any literal snakes, but uh, some uh, some uh, some references to snake-like appendages do happen. Oh, okay. You don't yep. see anything though. <laughs> it is on YouTube after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very silly, and <laughs> I forgot just how awkward it could be when I was watching it. I was just watching it like in the like family room in my house and my roommates were home but not in the room and i was like just waiting for them to walk in at like the worst moment when like someone is like massively making out or like clearly something as sexual is happening but it's like blurred out or you know cut away from and it's like they're gonna walk in and be like are you watching porn and i'll be like no i'm not watching porn <laughs> there's just sex in this story <laughs> it's on youtube i promise it's on youtube yeah exactly it can't be porn <laughs> i love the idea of a a YouTube show that is a, like a scripted or, you know, like a produced show. It's not just, you know, first person talking into the camera about whatever it may be, you know, personal or tech or comedy or sports or whatever, but an actual TV show that was YouTube first and not like clipped to death from (laughs) a more traditional network and put on YouTube for like additional eyeball traffic. Uh, And so this is really the only second one of these that I've, heard of and the first was that kind of surreal uh puppet i guess like don't hug me i'm scared oh yeah good stuff 
which was so good. Yeah. No, I feel like I feel like this is more of a thing in Los Angeles <laughs> where everyone you know wants to do like acting and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there was an era of uh of web based scripted series that lasted from about two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. <laughs> And at that point, YouTube was so young and not a platform where you go, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to monetize our show and, and mm-hmm. like make, you know, make a career out of this by posting it to YouTube. So they all wound up elsewhere. Yeah. And then as YouTube exploded and became the, the content creator platform, all the people who were making scripted shows just went, eh, that's probably not the place for us. Yeah, yeah. I have found the one clip that uh, I think does a lot of justice to the show. Um, so this clip is about Caleb Gallo, who is the pale guy with dark hair, and then his gender-fluid friend Freckle, who is played by Jason Green. Uh, and <laughs> Freckle is definitely a highlight of the show, always off the wall doing crazy stuff. And Freckle is telling Caleb about the night they had previously. I actually don't know what Freckle's pronouns are. I feel like they never say them, or they switch between them all the time. But I was trying to listen for what they were, and I feel like they always just, like, say Freckle's name, or just, like, they just don't say them. Everyone has to be cool with they. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think this actor either goes by they or he. Um, and, yeah, this they call Freckle gender fluid, so I don't know what their pronouns are. Maybe all of them. <laughs> Oh, I need to tell you about my night last night. Oh, tell me all about it. So I'm hanging out in my apartment. I've got some candles lit. I'm feeling good. I've had eight glasses of wine. Gotcha. And down in the street, I hear these two beautiful boys playing. They're skateboarding or doing flips or something. And one of them looks up at me and has the most beautiful face I've ever seen. Asian. Beautiful. And you know how I like a little Asian. You remember my date with Len? Very well. The point is I say, woohoo, boys. And they sort of look. The one who isn't Asian is black. The, the, you don't have to. This could be a colorblind story. I want to fill it with color. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's like there's a <laughs> race problem in Hollywood right now. And in America, a racism problem. I agree. Well, this story isn't racist. It's diverse. If everyone in it was white, then it would be racist. Caleb Gallo. You know what? You're right. Go ahead. So the boys come up to my apartment and I'm wearing a robe. I'm only wearing a robe. And I say, why don't you come in my boudoir and watch me do a monologue? And they say, where's the bed? And I say, this is the bed right here. And they say, can we sit on the bed? And I say, sure, but these are expensive Japanese linen. And they say, but they're not even soft. And I say... Sometimes things that are expensive are worse. Wow. So anyway, I suck both their dicks. Did you do the monologue? I didn't really <laughs> work by the master. Cameron Diaz. Diaz. That's really, really funny. It's really like tightly written. <laughs> yes. So and edited. <laughs> I, I don't know what my um like maximum tolerance for that voice is. <laughs> Ninety seconds is um about as much as you can do. Yeah. No, that's Freckle's voice. Sultry and uh, telling a story all the time. Uh, but yeah, so lots of, you know, fast pacing, uh, like cutting back and forth between stories. Um, 
I'm just trying to think of like other scenes. Uh, they referenced a character named Lenjamin, whose his name is Lenjamin McButtons, uh, who uh, one of his character traits is he's always trying something new. So in the first episode, he's trying to go by so he can be better at business, quote unquote. Uh, and he goes on a date with Freckle because they're gender fluid and he thinks that'll be a nice segue into bisexuality. And then later he tries being Catholic and a rapper and an actor. <laughs> And he's just always switching something up. And that's great. Uh, there's a scene where Caleb Gallo is sort of dating two other people who are sort of dating each other. And there's sort of this will they, won't they thruple situation going on. Uh, and the two other people are in the, his apartment and he's in his apartment taking a bath and Hungry Eyes is playing. And there's like stupid zooms and like overdone, like dancing and like washing yourself in the bathtub like no you don't see anything you just see his head but like <laughs> it's over dramatic and then he comes out and they're like okay we're gonna cuddle and do nothing else okay cut to the next thing <laughs> and yeah just a romp full of gayness <laughs> uh this brian jordan alvarez the the main mm-hmm. character and creator uh i on his at least according to his wikipedia the two things you mentioned uh will and grace and jane the virgin but it also says megan the recent movie where it's like it's a serial killer doll who became a surprise gay icon like the babadook oh what the hell i didn't know that <laughs> uh, so so i i followed that sentence and was nodding along for about halfway <laughs> <laughs> When did Megan become a gay icon? Did she get miscategorized or is there like, something queer in the movie? I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I it it hit enough like mainstream awareness that SNL did a a spoof of like Megan 2 was like leaning hard into that Megan is a, a queer icon. M3GAN. Yeah. As it's spelled on IMDb. I don't know why because um the like poster just has like an E without the vertical line. God, those eyes. No, I, my, my uh, maximum dosage of this is uh, about five seconds. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Do not want. Creepy. I'm like trying to speed read an article from thegamer.com. Thanks. <laughs> That's why oh, Megan is a gay icon. No, it's just the, the gamer. <laughs> I guess the gamer would make more sense, but thegamer.com. I don't know. Just kind of funny. Megan is for the gays in ways beyond this. Thanks. Wow. Deep, deep writing. Uh, so does this, it's a five episode season and they, they're not, it appears like it was a one and done season. Yeah. I think, I don't know if they were planning on doing more, but it seemed like, you know, a project that these folks got together and did, I think, I think they did like a movie at some point that was unrelated Ooh. to this, but it's like, Oh, yeah, no, it wasn't related to this. And I'm trying to remember what it was, because I think, like, like a fever dream, it just came to me on YouTube, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll sit here and watch this for the next, you know, 45 minutes or whatever it is. And I don't remember anything about it. I think it had something to do with trying to get your grandma's inheritance. Yeah, just even just from that one clip, it's clear that the production value is high. And you said that they played Hungry Eyes, so they have, like, you know, big music name licensing money to throw around. Mm-hmm. Uh so by all measures, it seems like it's a success and a modest success, but a success. So I'd hope that this team would go on and do something else. 
Yeah. It looks like they made an hour and 20 minute movie called Grandmother's Gold. Uh, and I remember basically nothing about this except it was very absurd. <laughs> but yeah, I see gift sets from it on Tumblr sometimes. So I feel like its core audience is in the weird sections of the internet. Well, that that flavor of weird. <laughs> we can just say Tumblr at this point <laughs> and leave it at that. I mean, I feel like Reddit is also weird, but a different That's kind true. of weird. Are the episodes, I mean, it's it's short enough that I could just, you know, watch this myself without asking you to describe <laughs> it in detail. But are the episodes, like, is there a season-long storyline or two? Or are they just kind of like little vignettes, like the clip you shared? <laughs> so there's sort of an overarching plot, and most of it is... Let's make all these characters kiss. But <laughs> sort of the overarching plot is Caleb Gallo is like in love with question mark. Uh, this character named Benicio, who's this beautiful young boy who's seven years younger than him, which you find out at the end. But like, okay, spoilers, whatever. they like reference the, the gay age gap <laughs> is a thing anyway. Uh, and he like lives in England and they keep FaceTiming at like weird inopportune moments and like, you know, Benicio has asked him to be, uh, like, official and, like, exclusive, but, like, he keeps messing up and, like, hooking up with other people, and it's like, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. And there's lots of ambiguity <laughs> about what is cheating and what isn't, and what is polyamory and what is monogamy, and all the queer questions of being <laughs> just a complete <laughs> trash lord with a sexuality <laughs> with all of your sexy friends in Los Angeles who are dating and acting. I don't know how real this is because I don't know anything about queer culture in Los Angeles, but I kind of feel like this is realer there anyway. <laughs> I've seen a couple episodes of the first season of The L Word, and so <laughs> this sounds like it's just a more lighthearted but wider uh, focusing L Word. <laughs> There are a couple lesbians in it. His his he's a grad student and his advisors are lesbians who have a third who is a guy. I forget what they call their they call their relationship something very complex. It was like a lesbian centric thruple with him on the side, but he's in it. He's in it. And they're like being very He's in it, I promise. <laughs> so yeah, all this to say. <laughs> I got through the episodes. I forget what the runtime was. I think the first episode is like just under 20 minutes and i think the last episode is like maybe the longest and it's probably like 35 or something but all this to say i didn't my roommates didn't walk in and think i was watching porn so i'm calling it a success (laughs) victory Victory. (laughs) we've survived another day and now i can go watch grandmother's gold and also be like wow i don't remember any of this and hopefully other fun things on youtube i feel like there used to be more like, like I remember there being uh there was like a Elizabeth Bennett diaries or something like that that was an original on YouTube and it was like a retelling of Pride and Prejudice in a modern age, and like everyone was from LA, <laughs> all these LA people. It's so true. At some point, everyone who wants to make their own little thing is like, you know, you write what you know and. All I know is struggling here in L.A. to make my thing, so I'm going to make a show that's struggling to make a thing. Exactly. There's one other variant of that, which is struggling in New York. (laughs) There are two cities where you do the acting work. I respect the Writers Guild, and, you know, like, I don't want anyone to cross the picket line, and if we don't get content, new content for a while other than reality shows, you know, so be it. 
And YouTube. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Lots of YouTube. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I was just going to say, where do you think this falls? Like, do you think if you make something good, like this appears to be, uh, but if you're not, you know, part of the union, are you crossing the picket line by giving us new, fresh, scripted content by writing? How Ooh. dare you write? I feel like it doesn't count if you're doing it independently. Yeah. And I mean, I like when there was the big, uh, when there was the big uh, Writers Guild strike, what, like maybe 10 years ago? Yeah, like 08, 09, I think. Didn't a few big names go do like Broadway shows or, you know, stage plays in London or something? Because they're like, well, I- I'm an actor. I want to get paid. Like uh, Shakespeare wrote this. It's not like I'm crossing the fucking picket line. <laughs> <laughs> also didn't um neil is that where we got neil patrick harris's web series where he's like the scientist oh yeah oh um, yeah oh my yeah, god dr. Horrible. yeah dr horrible sing-along br- blog yeah brog, that, brog. <laughs> i i i saw it on the blago blag <laughs> <laughs> so yeah those are your options <laughs> go do shakespeare go do go do pre-written stage shows or make stuff like this on youtube and that was that. That was exactly the kind of thing that I was thinking of of the pre YouTube uh, arc of this, because like Felicia Day was in that, and then and she did the Guild, which was definitely not on YouTube. Yeah, and Nathan Fillion was in it, who later went on to do something in Canada, I think. And then I was watching a basketball game. She was on a commercial, getting like I forget, like giant financial services company or or cell phone provider money it's like good for her secure the bag yeah that's what the strike is about right secure the bag bag. if you can do it through your through your writing job good if you can do it somewhere else i guess good just don't do it through someone else's writing job you scabs there it is otherwise scabby the rat will get you (laughs) i love scabby the rat (laughs) just kill him with a magical spell (laughs) (laughs) 